Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Dave Hooker Show, represented by Banks and Jones, Tennessee's trial attorney. Play to win, banksjones.com. The Dave Hooker Show. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Objective insight, expertise, top guest. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Also available on offthehooksports.com. I compute and obey. Now to Dave Hooker. Ready. Boy, here we go. We are off and rolling, and it's January, so still more recruiting news. Not a surprise. The Vols look fantastic on the basketball court against a highly ranked but maybe overrated opponent. Tennessee with a commitment, and this will be the last run of the college football four-team playoff. As we look back, was that a success or not? So plenty to get to today. Also, an interesting conversation that uh, Caleb brought up at our 3.45 a.m. production meeting. Is, Is Nico the best NFL prospect on this team already? I think that's premature, but since uh, Caleb's been willing to say that Nico deserves 14 Heisman trophies already, he might disagree with me. So we'll see. Caleb Calhoun, how are you, sir? What's that? I said 15. Yes, 15. (laughs) It was a little more than that. Caleb, how are you, sir? Pretty good. Happy National Championship Day. Uh, Guys, uh, basically, if you're going to bet, as I do – Anything that favors Michigan, just bet on that. I, I I see a blowout tonight. I hope I'm. I don't hope I'm wrong, but for the sake of the sport, I hope I'm wrong. But for the sake of my money, I hope I'm right. Okay, 
there's a difference between a prediction to begin the season and a prediction once the season begins. I've always considered myself good on the prediction once the season begins because I, I think I'm a decent guy when it comes to, to looking at football teams and football players. So I'm not going to pat myself on the back, but if you want to, you can, because what did I tell you in September? You did. You said Michigan's the best team in football. You should be on the college football playoff committee. Dave is a ball guy. Dave knows ball. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. Um, Probably more than Derek Dooley. <laughs> well, I can guarantee you that. Now, he may know everything else in the world more than me since he's so smart, but 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 I got that. I had the inner workings of uh, my family relationship. Maybe he's got me and everything else there. But, uh, no, I just looked at Michigan, and I thought they were a very unique combination from the get between being a physical football team and being a team that had enough speed. So I'm I'm going to say this, and this is a different conversation that we're going to get to, but I want to tie it back to Tennessee. So to me, they're a 70-30 power speed football team, right? If they, right. if they lined it up against a Georgia team, they're going to be probably maybe a little bit more physical, but they're not going to be as fast at the skill positions. And I would say that Alabama won the majority of their championships in in, in this regard, being a 70-30 physical speed football team. Um, uh, Georgia has been much closer to the other way, which is, uh, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, they have been that way. We saw Alabama go more along the lines of a speed team with Lane Kiffin as their offensive coordinator. What is Tennessee now? and what do you think Josh Heupel wants them to be? Josh so, if, definitely. so, so I, I interrupted you. So if, if Michigan's 70 to 30 power, um, Alabama at times has been 60, 40 under Lane Kiffin speed. What do you think Josh Heupel wants to be? And I'll open that up for the message board too, before I give you today's poll question. I would go 60, 40 speed to power. Um, I think Josh, here's what Josh, and it's funny because we're talking about Jim Harbaugh and Jim Harbaugh came from the West Coast offense, but Josh Heupel to me, it reminds me of the West Coast offense in this way because there's so much, and you know this Dave, watching Bill Walsh with the 49ers in the 80s and 90s, they were so fast on the outside and they used so much of the passing game that didn't you lose track of how physical the 49ers were in the middle? even though they were physical. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Cause they they were light and pulled a lot of offensive linemen and that's viewed sometimes like, like uh, cup blocking is soft, but it's not really soft. Um, uh, So yeah, I no, I I do think they were, they were viewed as finesse, which was unfair at times. And, but, but they were a little finesse. And I think you would agree that Josh uh, Heupel's offense is a little finesse, which is okay. It is. But fe- there's a difference between being finesse and not being able to line up and win smash mouth one-on-one matchups too up at the front. And that's where I think people get this me- mixed up. That was the, you, you talked about how you called Urban Meyer succeeding at Florida. And I think that's why a lot of people thought he wouldn't succeed. People thought the spread would be too finesse. And those Florida teams were physical. They didn't, you did not beyond the fact that they had a killer on their team. You didn't want to go hit one-on-one with a lot of those guys. Agreed. Um, hit like and subscribe for me. Go ahead and do that. And we're going to get to Tennessee's newest commitment. They picked up a commitment over the weekend, but this is kind of unscheduled. But I think this is a fun conversation if that works with you, Calhoun. Is that good? Yeah, that's fine. Sweet. All right. Uh, uh, 
Rocky Top Tom brings up Coach Heupel wants to run the ball 55 to 60 percent of the game, but he really wants that to account for 75 percent of his offense production. That's a coach's dream ratio. That's true, but it's not a physical running game when you have three wide receivers and a tight end split wide. You're spreading the defense out. You're not you don't have two tight ends in the game and a fullback. So that's the point we're trying to make. And I think everybody understands that. But this is not a team that's going to line up a lot in the I formation and just push you around. This is a team that's going to use the pass to set up the run, which makes it, yes, about a, a 60-40 finesse football team. Zero problem. People hear finesse um, like, like overachiever or hard worker or game manager as a quarterback, and they get insulted. I'm not insulting anyone. I, I mean, I mean, you're fine, 60-40 finesse. If you're if you're the 49ers, you're just fine for sure. Absolutely. And it's funny we're talking about this because Heifel and Harbaugh are honestly opposites, but what's both of their calling cards, Dave? In different ways, they're both quarterback whisperers, aren't they? That's exactly where I was going to go. We're getting along too, way too well. We've got to find something to argue about <laughs> on the program. There's far too much uh, lovey-dove going on uh, right but, but, now. Uh, so I, I studied I, – it's funny, just for for a future video I would like to do. I was studying Jim Harbaugh last night, late last night, Dave, because I was studying what made him so successful over the years because he comes from the West Coast. But I looked at the run concepts, and do you ever notice his run concepts are much more like from the old Bill Parcells offenses? in the run game absolutely and yes yes i have it's funny you bring that up there's a lot of a b gap running right at you it's not complicated there's not a lot of pulling offensive linemen that needs athletic guys no definitely i think what i think what you have to do if you're in the big 10 is you have to decide i want the big burly offensive linemen that can push people around as opposed to in the sec where you can have the big burly offensive linemen they also got great feet. They're athletic and can move around. And that's what makes prospects from the, the Southeast a little bit different from the Midwest. Right, exactly. And that's why you have to, with the Big Ten, you have to, particularly not Ohio State. We've talked about Ohio State. But if you're at Michigan, you kind of have to identify what makes you great. And this is why Rich Rodriguez failed there. You're not going to, you can't win running that offense with athletes at Michigan. And, you know, you that's, have to. The, Rod, the Rodriguez thing was a. Uh, uh, an interesting thing that you bring up. And again, we're going to move on to Tennessee, Tennessee's newest commitment. I thought you could go in a conference like the Big Ten that was a little bit slower and have a high tempo type of thing or a unique type of offense. And that would that would work for you because it's different, but it's getting the athletes up there. That's the greatest challenge. And that's basically what you were addressing, correct? Exactly. Exactly. It's the reverse of Maryland. Maryland can do it when they join the big 10, because there's more speed in the DMV than there is in the Midwest. If that makes sense, you can get us to find digs. Right. But and, and for those that haven't lived in, in the DMV or haven't covered the DMV for ESPN and recruiting, that is what the DC, Maryland, Virginia area. That's right. Um, I didn't know that yeah. first time I went up there to cover a prospect, they said, so is this your first time in the DMV? I'm like, where am I? What? Hence the reason it's called the MVA for your where you get your driver's license up here because they don't want to confuse it with are you going to go to the DMV and you'd be like well we're in the DMV what are you talking about <laughs> that's exactly right all right the show represented by Banks and Jones Tennessee's trial attorney play to win Banks and Jones while Banks and Jones other lawyers say there's they will uh, go to trial they won't they'll settle and settle for less so it's time for Tennessee's 
newest commitment as the Vols pick up a huge monster offensive lineman, Noah pass rushing edge rusher, an incredible safety, another great quarterback. No, it's another tight end. So this wasn't the most exciting pickup for most Tennessee fans over the weekend. It might have flown under the radar for you, but he is committed to Tennessee. He announced on his Twitter page, uh, the Vols get some good news on Sunday morning, picking up a commitment from the 2025 uh, tight end four-star prospect, Jack Von Dorslayer. Dorslayer? He kills Dorslayer. Dorselier, that too, uh, announced he was choosing Tennessee. Now, it's over Arkansas, Baylor, Texas Texas A&M, LSU, and Georgia, and Alabama. So this is a guy who is an anywhere guy, and I break him down by anywhere, somewhere, nowhere. In other words, you could call up a coach at any school. You could go to any school. You could call up a coach at a school, and someone say yes, someone say no. That's a somewhere kid. A nowhere kid is it's Division II time. Call Chattanooga. So I'm going, this is an anywhere kid. So I think the fact that Tennessee fans aren't excited is that he's not an immediate impact guy. Everybody wants to load up for 2024, but Josh Heupel, let's not be short-sighted. I do think he wants to be at Tennessee for the long term, and I do think he will be. So this is a guy who could become a superstar in not 2024, but 2026. So this is a big pickup. Um, it's just a long-term pickup. It's like reading a novel instead of an, a short story. I mean, this this takes a little bit longer, but also with his rating, who's to say he can't come in in 2025 and be some sort of an impact player, uh, at, at the very least a, uh, a second tight end that could get on the field some. I'm not ruling that out as a freshman considering the balls ask their guys to be more athletes than they do push people around. Uh, so I think he's a pretty significant pickup. I want to get your thoughts, Caleb. And it's brought to you by Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn. Enjoy life better when you see better. Local vision done absolutely perfect. Now look at me. No contacts, no glasses, LASIK contact surgery, and regular eye examination, cctis.com, Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn. So what do you think of, of this pickup in my breakdown? I, I totally agree with you. And I think one of the things people are underrating is I I'm going to say up front, here's a big part of because people are asking, can he block? Well, I'm going to tell you guys this. He's a four-star pretty much um, across the board. Four-star tight end, 6'5", 230. Uh, that's a pretty good size going into your senior year in high school. We can agree with that, right, Dave? Because oh, you yeah. would assume that'll get to 250 when he gets to college. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. And so I'm going to tell you guys up front, I usually don't, and, and and a lot of recruits will come at me for this, a few from Nashville. I don't put a lot of stock in uh, tape when I look at recruits a lot of times because they're just showing their highlight plays and they're not showing all the plays they messed up. And so, you know, you go to HUDL or any of these recruiting sites and it's just, they're showing everything that makes them look good. So I, I don't put that much stock in tape. However, what stood out to me about this kid, I looked up his tape last night. Half of his highlights are him run blocking. Now, so his his selling point is being able to block. I think that's a big reason they picked him up because Ethan Davis is already going to be their athlete at receiver. You know that, Dave. Like He's going to be their Princeton fan next year, but just on an even more extreme level, probably. So they needed another run blocker because they, 
I think they're looking at transfers. They got Holden Stace coming in from Notre Dame, but we don't know what they're going to look like in 2025 and beyond. So this is a big pickup on that front. Now on the other side, to play devil's advocate, because I'm not one who praises every pickup or criticizes every pickup. Kid does come from the Dallas area. Kid does from come from South Lake Carroll. That is an area where Tennessee has missed every time they've looked, as you've ac- accurately pointed out, Dave. Every time they've tried to bring a kid in from the Dallas or Houston area, it's failed miserably in yes. Tennessee history. Texas and, in general has, but yes, certainly. Yes, exactly. Texas in general has been a failure for Tennessee overall. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that their recruits can consistently, particularly in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, where they're, where Dallas-Fort Worth has, as you know, Dave, the biggest high schools, the most, the best resources for high school football, the best high school coaching in America. I think it, I think a lot of players, their skill sets are maximized in high school. So you don't see the growth you expect to see when they're in college a lot of times. So, so Caleb, let me, let me ask you this and the message board this as well. Would you rather have a top flight guy in 2025? Let's say, okay, would you, I, I'm going to make it really simple because sometimes my hypotheticals get a little too complicated. Would you rather have a four star for 2025 than a high three star for 2024? In other words, a bit more of a project, but a good project. Or a guy when I when I think four star, I think there's a 50-50 chance he could come in and contribute right away. Which would you rather have at this point? Because in, in the development of this program, you're gonna start having to think about guys clicking next year, not a transfer portal guy or a highly rated guy coming in from high school and contributing immediately. That's where you've got to get, right? Correct. Now I would rather have a highly touted three star if that three stars a transfer portal guy that's that that you're getting to contribute right away because i think everything about tennessee football should be uh, invested in 2024 i i think about I, i'm thinking college football nowadays dave is it's borderline nfl and i said this about the nfl for a long time and i don't know if you agree with me on this but i said if you have a team that you could be a title contender for a, with by making a few moves you make those moves. You don't think about the future. The NFL is always win now. You you sacrifice the future for the now if you can do it in the NFL. And I say that in the NBA too. If you're Danny Ainge and you can trade all your future away to get a ring with Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen, you do it. That's that's how sports works. I think college football is starting to reach that era. So I think because of the transfer portal. So I think if you can get a high three-star who is maybe a junior in the transfer portal as opposed to a recruit and you can plug him in at a spot, I think you take him because you got to go all in for win now. Well, but, I, wasn't, I wasn't even really going the transfer portal route. I was talking about high school kids. So high school I, kid, I, I think 2025 is a no brainer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. My, 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 yeah. My, my, my question is this for you. The follow-up question is Tennessee beyond the, and Daniel says no way I'd be taking projects in today's market. I agree with Daniel completely. Is Tennessee beyond taking projects or getting in on, a guy early because they know they can't beat Alabama and Georgia right before signing day. Be sure and hit that like button, please, for me. Is Tennessee at that point? My answer is yes. I think they're beyond. I think it's time to go toe to toe with the Georgias and the Alabamas of the world, and not say I've got to get on a guy early or I've got to offer him more nil money or do this. 
I think it's time that you're going toe to toe. I my, my answer is no, but not for the reason you think. I don't think Tennessee ever wants to be at that level. I mean, not that you don't want to be at that level. But I don't think Tennessee. I think projects can be more valuable. Look, I look in this era of college football with the transfer portal and players leaving all the time and NIL luring players elsewhere. There is going to be underrated value in having a bunch of guys that have been in the program for a while. And that's what projects are. You are reaching a level of you're reaching the college basketball level, Dave. Why do you think Kentucky only has one national championship? Because no matter how talented they are, the one and dones in the NCAA tournament are not going to beat a team that's got guys that have played together for four years that know each other. I think in an era of the transfer portal in college football, you're about to see the same situation where chemistry is going to be a big deal. Let's be honest. Let's talk about 2022 for Tennessee real quick, Dave. Yes, there was talent. Yes, Josh, I bought a great system. How much did they benefit though that a lot of those guys had played together for already two years in an era of a trans in the era of the transfer portal? Certainly helped a lot. Helped a lot. Projects are going to be guys that are very familiar with the system. Familiarity is going to be an underrated aspect of college football in the future. And it never was before, because let's be honest, when you got a number one recruiting class back in the day in college football, there was going to be familiarity. They were stuck with your program for three years, period. So it didn't really matter. Uh, but now in the era of the transfer portal in NIL, I think targeting familiarity is as much of an art as it is in college basketball now. And that's, that, that's an underrated deal. So I'm taking the project at this point. Three years right. ago, I would agree with you. Okay, good stuff. All right, let's let's uh, let's continue with recruiting as the transfer portal guys can still be picked up in uh, the transfer portal. So some transfer portal news. It's four downs. It's brought to you by Dynasty Spas. And I'll tell you more about them. But I'll go ahead and tell you right now that if you need a spa, you need to be in Dynasty Spas, which has their showroom at Athens and their fantastic four downs talking transfer news now off the hook sports four downs brought to you by dynasty spas the most comfortable spas made in the united states of america right here in east tennessee drop in for the all-new showroom in athens dynasty spas perfect for all four seasons four downs presented by off the hook sports yeah, we got lots of news, and I know a lot of people over the weekend are like, you're picking up a tight end. Why not an offensive line, an offensive lineman? I want to talk offensive line tomorrow if you can put that in your mental notebook because I'm not as concerned as a lot of you fans are on social media about Tennessee's offensive line, and I'm going to tell you why, but that'll be tomorrow. So some transfer news as I want to get right to it. We'll ju jump in the hot tub uh, with the one, the only Cooper Mays. Coop, what did people need to do to get the latest transfer news? Cooper Mays here. Hit like and subscribe. We'll do that. All right, Coop, what down is it? Coop here. First down. Thank you, Coop. Uh, Kansas offensive lineman Armari Reed Adams visited – Tennessee, but then committed to Texas A&M. How big of a loss is this for the Vols? I think it's a pretty big one. I think this is a guy they really, I think this is the guy they really, really wanted. This is the type of player you could play and plug. He, he visits, then he commits to a program that's definitely not on the rise like Tennessee. I think he would have been a much better situation than Tennessee. You could say it's NIL, and that's certainly possible. Dave, you I'm reading from Vol Twitter. Now, this is Vol Twitter, and they overreact to everything. So, I, I, <laughs> grain of salt, okay? Like, you say that like everybody knows. Like, the sun's coming up tomorrow, and 
Ball Twitter overreacts to everything. Yes. One of the hot takes on Vol Twitter is that while Glenn Ellerby is a great offensive line coach, and I do think he's one of the most underrated assistants on the staff as an offensive line coach, he's not very personable and his personality turns off recruits. What do you know about that? Um, I don't, you know, I, I, I'm, I don't know that he's personable. I don't know that you have to be personable to the media. I guess I would tell you, I don't know. I mean, Dan Brooks, Tennessee's defensive tackle coach was always very not personable to me, but I bet he was personable to prospects. So I think there's two different kinds of personable. And I think it's a rare guy like Philip Fulmer, for instance, that has that personable with boosters, media, and prospects. I mean, not every dude has that, right? No, you're right. That's true. Uh, I mean, and, and Fulmer was, I mean, we're talking, he was somewhat personable. Come on, let's be honest, though. Fulmer, I, he was a great recruiter, but I think that was just his work ethic because he's got a bit of a boring personality, too. I mean, can you imagine him in your room, Dave? Were you going to have a great opportunity to come to Tennessee? We're going to work like heck oh, to get see, better every day. This is the opposite. I think, I swear I've heard the opposite. He goes in there like fired up. And so, like, I don't think we truly know. I think you almost put on a facade. Like, you turn into Batman before you walk in the, the front door. <laughs> I swear to you. I think I think you're a, diff, a completely different person. Like, you go in there and you're Bruce Wayne and you're hitting on chicks. And then you go in there, I'd like for you to come to my school. What do you think? Yeah, I think it completely changes. I really, I really do. Uh, more offensive line news coming up. Four downs brought to you by our friends at Dynasty Spas. Imagine having the best spas made right here in the United States of America. That's important to us in your backyard, and they are in Athens. Check out their, their showroom. They have complete support. They have the spa covers, chemicals to keep your spa and pool bubbling at its best and they are online dynastyspas.com you can order it there the chemicals or you can go down and check their fantastic discounts that they have running all the time for first responders military and some blemish models that you can save a ton of money on so what down is it coop brought to you by dynasty pools and spas cooper mays here second down temple cornerback jalen mcmurray boy nothing sizzles like bacon in a refrigerator like a Temple cornerback, or should I be excited about Jalen McMurray? I don't know why everybody's so excited about him. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm just going to be honest. I, I, I don't – everything I've read about him, I don't see the value in him. I mean, yes, he was named preseason All-AC – All-AAC, excuse me, going into 2023, but – Or as Gilbert I mean, God, Godfrey said, the ah. Remember, he was the yeah. athlete. No. <laughs> so this is all because he was a freshman All-American in 2022 and had a great freshman All-American season. But one of the things for me, for these guys at smaller schools, Dave, is I got to see how you do your second year at a school. Because can you get better your second year or are you figured out? And there, there are real questions about this kid. Not, not character-wise. I, he, he seems like he could be a nice guy, but I just think... I think I think he was a little overrated his freshman year, and I think playing in the competition level of competition he played at at the American overhyped him. He didn't really make the same splash his sophomore year, and that's that's a big red flag if you can't take a step up your sophomore year at a smaller school like that. Mm, yeah, it makes you wonder if you're content. Uh, what down, Coop? Tennessee center Cooper Mays here. 
third down. All right, I'm just I'm trying to decide whether or not I want to go to who I think is really good or if I want to go another direction. Okay, I'm going to start with UNC offensive lineman Diego Pounds, who weighs about 300 of them, I would guess. What do you think of Diego Pounds? I think this is one of Tennessee's most underrated potential pickups, funny enough. Um, I think he's a North Carolina transfer at, on the offensive line. I believe he has a teammate who had who is at ten- he had a high school teammate who I believe is at Tennessee right now. I don't remember the name. I'm trying to pull it up, but Diego Pounds is somebody that has connections to Tennessee. He's a very reliable and good offensive lineman. Now, you know, some uneducated people out there would say he's not going to he's not he's making a lateral move he's going to tennessee from north carolina no i don't care what their records are the last few years i don't care that mac brown's at north carolina tennessee's a better school that is a step up from north carolina guys and i say that as somebody who thinks tennessee fans overvalue how great their school is tennessee's still a step up from north carolina so this isn't a desperate to play transfer if that makes sense he's a left tackle sorry no, go ahead. My, my problem with Pounds is that it took him a couple years to break into North Carolina's starting lineup. He started eight games last year. So that's my concern with Pounds. And I know this is no shock, but Ole Miss heavily in on them. By the way, uh, Lane Kiffin bragging about the amount of money that they're able to spend in NIL uh, recently. So he feels pretty good about it. He's got those guys stoked uh, after a, a couple of strong seasons in the past three years. So uh, I think he ends up probably at Ole Miss the way the Rebels have been running, but you say it's not that significant of a loss. No, I say I actually say it's, Pounds would be a big oh, pickup if they could get him. Oh, it is a big pickup. Um, but <laughs> you look at Lane Kiffin at Tennessee and look at Lane Kiffin now. He's added Pounds in multiple ways. But <laughs> wow, did you just think that shot at Lane? <laughs> I didn't think um, SEC Media Days is the first time I had a lower BMI than Lane. The, okay, Lane Kiffin, if you go go back and look, it, it happened it happened right after that he lost the USC job. Like he just aged significantly right before he took the oh, Alabama man. job. Oh, it was hardcore. Guys in their early 30s are just throwing out shots. Uh maybe. Did you see the it's now he's now become open about his girlfriend. So whether he's got extra pounds like Diego or not, he's still got skills. That pay the bills? I don't know. He's still got skills. This young lady's doing okay. It's not really hard for major SEC football coaches to pick up young women, okay? Like, I, we're acting like there's some level of game here. I bet, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of, like, the most lame personality possible in the SEC who wasn't even a good coach, and they could pick up young women, probably. Uh, and- Well, I can, I can answer that. He's not in the SEC anymore, but it's uh, Mr. Belima. <laughs> yes yes that's right forgot about that yes if brett belima can do it and he did any <laughs> sec coach can do it yeah um and he had to make up some weird uh, excuse about how she worked in the athletic department but uh he actually met her in vegas randomly at a blackjack table did anybody believe that I didn't. Brett did have game. Thank you, Smoky Mountain Red. Hit the like and subscribe button. What down are we on, Coop? Keep me straight. Tennessee center Cooper Mays here. Third down.
I'm saving herd, by the way. I know what y'all are thinking about, but you I'm heard? Gonna talk, yeah, I'm gonna talk a couple of defensive backs. Aiden White out of NC State and Jalen McMurray out of Temple. Uh your your thoughts on those two guys. Well, we talked McMurray a little while ago, but Aiden White. White I love Aiden White. If Tennessee can get him, this is the move. We're talking about a two-time all ACC cornerback. Again. It's all ACC, but we can at least agree that's better than the American. And so if you're two-time All-ACC, you can at least be a – you probably could be a decent starter in the SEC, even if you may not be great. And that's veteran ex- leadership. That's experience. And here is a uh, – and also, he did not allow a touchdown in 2022 with 482 coverage snaps, which is an incredible stat. 25 pass breakups, eight interceptions. And he was a – he went to Christ School in Arden, North Carolina, where the son of Heath Shuler, Navy Shuler, who was on Tennessee's roster, also went. Mm-hmm. So, there you I'm go. So there's a possibility. Um, do you think defensive backs look at Tennessee as a place they want to go or no? No, no. That's that's a, even if you even if you're good, even if you're good, it's this the the, the defense is set up where you're not going to look good. Put it that way. Although, look, if you're a shutdown corner who can like shut down a side of the field, look at Elante Taylor. He got turned into a top two draft pick, top two round draft pick in Hypel system. So, you know, he did. Click the like and subscribe button if you're new to the show. We got more prospect talk. Here we go. Fourth down. Coop. All SEC center Cooper Mays here. Fourth down. Have you heard the news? I say the biggest, highest rated one. For the end, uh, tell me about Mr. Hurd, and I actually have some insight into him that I would like. <laughs> Rocky Top Tom says defensive backs just seem to be allergic to Knoxville. Um, I have uh, I have a little bit of insight into Hurd that I can provide. So go ahead and uh, tell everyone that hasn't heard that aren't big recruit Knicks how big of a pickup Hurd could be. He would be a huge pickup. Now, Hurd wants to play left tackle specifically from the reporting I've heard. And he played a lot at right tackle last year for LSU. That's one of the reasons he entered the portal. But if you're Tennessee, you got John Campbell Jr. I don't think it'd be much of an imposition to move John Campbell Jr. over to right tackle to make Hurd happy at that point. You stole, and, you stole my you stole my lead. I think he's I think John Campbell. Junior is willing to move to right tackle because it's worked for Tennessee's last two right tackles, including Darnell Wright. Used to be that was a major, major uh, demotion, wasn't it? If they moved you from left tackle to right tackle. And Josh Heupel's offense, it's almost a promotion. I mean, they took Darnell Wright and did that. So I think that's kind of the key. I think Tennessee can offer that. Other schools are probably a little bit more locked into left tackle or it's a gamble to take a transfer or go back a few years, a junior college player to fill in a left tackle vacancy. Albert Toween is a great example. He showed up, they plugged him at left tackle. Everybody remember him, former of all, showed up at left tackle and they plugged him in there and he started the entire season and he was at best a C plus player. Would you agree with that? Thought he had heavy feet. I totally agree. Didn't think he was very good, but they didn't have another direction to go because they had invested so much in him. And I'm talking about off-season investment, who you play at left tackle. So I think you go to Herd and you say, listen, this cat's willing to move. We're talking about John Campbell Jr. to right tackle for you. 
Now, I don't know that Hurd's going to do all of his research and know that Darnell Wright did that too. But if he doesn't, you're like, wow, man, they're really opening up quite the quite the opportunity for me. And I think that's that is- where you might be able to land him. No, you are right. And here's the funny thing you say that um, left tackle might be an easier job. This is going to be the craziest thing I'm going to say today, Dave. But with the way college football is going, left tackle could end up being an easier job than right tackle. And here's why. Actually, Nick Saban figured this out. Jeremy Pruitt did this at Tennessee. One of Nick Saban's new philosophies, and this is how you saw Will Anderson line up on the other side, was it's better to have your edge rusher attacking the quarterback from his face than behind him, because then you can take away the vision on the quick slants over the field. And Interesting. I hadn't heard that. I like the football one-on-one. Keep going. Will and do you notice Will Anderson always lined up on that side? He was Alabama's best edge rusher by far, but they always line him up attacking the quarterback from the front rather than behind. Yeah, he was and, always on the left side. Yeah, he was. And so the philosophy on that was you can't because what Nick Saban and a lot of quarter coaches have realized is with the new rules in football, the slants are almost always going to be there now. It's just too hard to take away the slant and the and the um and the deep ball. Even with even with Saban's, as you you're the one who taught me about and I looked at the pattern matching defense that he coaches that he kind that actually kind of comes from the old cover two systems that he learned um you can't really take away the middle of the field and the deep shots anymore so the philosophy is more if you disrupt the quarterback's vision even if the slants are there let him be there but they can't see him and that's why you have your edge rushers rush from that side now so in the future, what would you rather your tackle do? Is it more important to protect your quarterback's blind side or to protect your quarterback from the best, most dangerous edge rusher on the field? I mean, that's going to be kind of your what you're weighing at that point. I think the blind side thing kind of came into effect because Joe Theismann got his leg snapped in half. I mean, if you go back and look at the blind side movie, and there's a lot of truth to that, even though there's a lot of non-truths to the movie. But that's kind of how that was discovered. But because you don't want the devastating injury that the quarterback never sees coming. But I also don't want my quarterback constantly distracted by a person coming into his face on the right side. So I'd still put my best tackle on the left side personally, but I understand that Josh Heifel has not. And I understand that football evolves. So I wouldn't be surprised to see it continue to go, go that way. Yeah, exactly. And you're right. That was a time. Let's not forget Lawrence Taylor was coming from the blind side. And it's, not, I mean, that's whatever you think of him as a person, he's still probably the most impactful defensive player of all time. Is that safe to say? I think, NFL, he's, Lawrence the, Taylor? I think he's the best defensive player to ever step foot on a football field, actually. If you want my opinion. And the cool thing about Lawrence Taylor is he was allowed. That's who that, that it would be interesting to see that if they did that with James Pierce, allow him to line up everywhere because the Giants played 10 on one or 10 on 11, excuse me and let Taylor be the one. So it was 10 on 11. They played defense, and that was their disciplines and gaps and who they – and he got to line up wherever he wanted to. I, I'm interested to see the next player – I don't like bringing up my NFL team, but the Cowboys may have him. But um, I, I'd like to see the next player that's able to do that and just pick where he wants to line up based off looking at the defense, and he's just that absolutely dominant. But I think the Cowboys have him. That might be intriguing. Quick ball, quick, uh, quick, uh, quick, a uh, little more. You know, Dave and I are talking a lot of ball. We're, we're, we're talking some serious ball today, if you want to say that word. But uh, um, the clouding a quarterback's vision, 
what's the greatest call John Chavis ever made as a defensive coordinator, Dave? You know what it is? Moving Leonard Little back to defensive end? <laughs> no, it's a play call. It's a play call. The greatest <laughs> play call he ever made. It's that game you say is the best coach game Fulmer ever led. It was the Miami game of 03. It's 10 to 6. Miami's driving. They're on the five yard line. They're about to go in and score. Brock Berlin snaps it. Kella Winslow's clear. The receiver's all clear. Kella Winslow's wide open for a touchdown on a crossing route. But Chavis sent Mark Jones on a blitz, straight, straight line, not from the blind side, just straight forward up the middle, completely clouded Berlin's vision. So he gets hit as he throws it. Those are too late. And that causes an interception that Jabril Wilson catches. And the philosophy from Chavis was he they, he kind of, I think the whole Tennessee team knew that Brock Berlin was a terrible quarterback to begin with, but they, they made the bet that if you send the guy in his face, he's not going to see the guy over the middle. And that was the bet they made the whole game. Interesting. Our poll question brought to you by Rick Terry Jewelry Design. We want to be your jeweler. Looking for affordable game day jewelry? How about the Fire Opals, a Tennessee tradition? So that's on rickterryjewelry.com rickterryjewelry.com the poll question is on our youtube page and it's been a little bit all over the place james pierce took off with it but now some other guys are uh, closing the gap a bit tennessee's best nfl prospect is Bru mccoy james pierce nico or coop we will discuss after this but right now james pierce leading with 54 percent of the vote followed by nico just going into the sophomore year at 25 percent brew mccoy last at eight percent cooper mays pardon me at 12 percent so we'll get into that poll question vote on our youtube page right now really would like to see your input again brought to you by rick terry jewelry design go to rick taylor rick terry jewelry.com that is rick terry jewelry.com tell you what i'm hearing from nfl scouts about those guys and let's just say that if brew comes back healthy they really really like him but nico is as intriguing as they get stay tuned with caleb calhoun i'm dave hooker back in two minutes off the hook sports sun sand and salt water the beach is a very relaxing place Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Sports Treasures in North Knoxville is one of the South's largest sports cards and memorabilia dealers featuring over 10 million sports cards from vintage to modern. Sports Treasures carries a full line of hobby boxes, singles, autographed memorabilia, Tennessee Vol collectibles, fan cave decorations, and so much more. See a museum full of collectibles at Sports Treasures, 4819 North Broadway in Fountain City, and Sports Treasures on Facebook. Sports Treasures, where the real sports fan goes to shop. Have you seen the latest TriStar Hats Co. product? TriStar Hats Co., what's that? You know, those really cool hats, shirts, tumblers, and even license plates with three stars like the official Tennessee flag and stripes like the American flag. Pretty patriotic if you ask me. Ah, I got you. Seen those. Those are cool. Where can I get them? Simple. TriStarHatsCo.com. And if you order now, there's 10% on any order $50 or more. Plus, use the promo code HOOKED. 
with the promo code HOOKED, you get 10% off. That's HOOKED. And don't forget free shipping with any order over 50 bucks. Stock up at TriStarHatsCo.com. That's TriStarHatsCo.com. There are plenty of wannabes out there, so make sure you go to TriStarHatsCo.com for the best quality and customer service. Will do, and I'll be sure to use the promo code HOOKED. That's HOOKED when I do to save an additional 10% off. TriStarHatsCo.com. TriStar Hats Co. is a trademark of TriStar Hats Co. LLC. Any use without express written consent is prohibited. What's up, everybody? This is Jacob Warren asking you to like, subscribe, and share. Dave needs this. The Dave Hooker Show, represented by Banks and Jones, Tennessee's trial attorney. Play to win, banksjones.com. You're listening to The Dave Hooker Show. A presentation of OffTheHookSports.com. The internet is full of pictures of each and every one of you. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off The Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Is there nothing you people can't do? Also available on OffTheHookSports.com. All righty. Did you see Squirrel White at the Predators game last night? Did you see that? I I did actually. I saw you tweeted it. Yeah. Um, why is he? Why is he jumping around at a Predators game? That's cool. But he had the he had the glass seats, most overrated seats. You can't tell what's going on down there when you're right on the ice. Oh, when you're oh um. Yeah. Are yeah, you a hockey guy I, at all? I, I watch. I well from TV. I I am. Um, I uh I rooted for the Caps uh for a while and um was super excited when they won in 2018. But I my thing is when I tried to pick up hockey, hockey fans annoy me so much because what they do is they complain about not enough people liking their sport and like it's so great, you need to like the sport, and then you watch it, and I'm trying to learn it, and then they're like, You don't know anything about hockey, so you shouldn't talk. I'm like, Well then I'm not gonna watch your sport. So you know what? Go to hell, hockey fans. Hey, let's uh let's tease this through. Uh, if you can do the research on this, uh, I would like to get uh, uh, a little uh, confirmation. Who's bigger, Squirrel White or Wayne Gretzky, size-wise? I'm going to go with Squirrel White is bigger than Wayne Gretzky. Would that shock anybody? Okay, so go ahead and uh, check that for me if you can, Caleb. But I'm going to go ahead, and if I'm wrong, then last person. Okay, look, everybody's blowing up. Daniel says Gretzky. I've stood next to Gretzky, guys. I've stood next to both these men. So I'm just telling you, I have a little bit of insight. Um, Daniel is going to win a uh, off-the-hook sports T-shirt, if he's correct, and he gets Gretzky. Uh, okay. Well, Daniel needs an off the hook sports T-shirt. Squirrel White is five ten, one sixty five. Wayne Gretzky is six feet, one eighty five. That's so a Gretzky. lie. I, I swear that's a lie. I will give that's Daniel the T-shirt. Us. I will give Daniel the T-shirt, but he is not six foot because I'm six foot and I towered over him. All right, Wayne Gretzky also um, didn't he leave Edmonton and then they won a bunch of championships without him. So wasn't he just like almost like I know he's considered the greatest of all time, but wasn't he like a Robert Ory type, just you know, a role player on a no, no, I'm kidding. Didn't. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm just saying if he's so great, how did they keep winning titles without him? I, I 
Well, they, they were the loaded franchise. They were kind of like the Yankees. But, okay, so the first person to say Gretzky was Daniel. So, Daniel, send me an email. I think technically I'm still right, but according to the worldwide interweb, you are. So, David off the sports.com, and I'll hook you up with a T-shirt. And But we've got uh, a more important pressing topic to go to. Who is Tennessee's best NFL prospect? It's today's poll question. It is on the YouTube channel, so please vote. James Pierce now leads with 56% of the vote. Nico, second with 24% of the vote. Cooper Mays, 12% of the vote. Brew McCoy, 8% of the vote. So I'm going to start with these parameters, and I'm going to ask the message board, and I'm going to ask Caleb to stick to these parameters. I'm talking about we have this conversation in 15 years. So all their careers are done. Okay, so we're not talking about a scenario in which, well, Cooper would be drafted higher right now, which he might be, I don't know, he'd be drafted higher than Pierce or a healthy McCoy. But anyway, um, we're not talking about right now. We're talking about 15 years from now, who's most likely to don a gold jacket one day. Is it James Pierce, as our audience seems to believe, Caleb? (sighs) James Pierce is a great one. Before last week, I was going into it debating between James Pierce and Brew McCoy because I'm with you about Brew McCoy. Cooper Mays, I'm a fan of, but I don't see Cooper Mays, I see as a very good NFL player. James Pierce, Brew McCoy, just raw skills. I see Hall of Fame potential, potentially. But after watching that Citrus Bowl, it's Nico Iamaliava. And I'm sorry, guys. And I never would have said that beforehand. I thought Nico Iamaliava was the perfect quarterback to fit Josh Heupel's system. You've heard me say that, Dave, like a Tim Tebow to Urban Meyer, a Tommy Frazier to Tom Osborne. But what did Tommy Frazier and Tim Tebow do in the NFL? Not that much. Zero. But we knew Tommy, we knew Franklin wasn't going to do anything. Franklin? Frazier, Frazier, Frazier. We knew Tommy Frazier wasn't going to do anything. Um, So, right. We did. Well, you did. I was so young. I don't. I did not know Tommy Frazier wasn't going to do anything. I didn't learn about Tommy Frazier until later in life. But this so. style of play. I mean, it, he wasn't a pro style guy at all. Right. And and, he, and unfortunately, racism at the time wasn't going to give him the opportunity. But that's a whole different story. Um. So I'm going to say it's Nico because of this. And remember, I I'm the one who said that Arch Manning's probably the better NFL prospect. And Nico is just in the better system. So Nico will be better in college, but Arch will be better in the NFL. Dave, I'm not so sure about that after watching that game last week. What's a weakness in Nico's game? And there's a in, in that that rollout sideline pass he made to Ramel Keaton changed everything I thought about Nico because that is do you Jimmy Hyams talks about this all the time, and you probably remember. Remember the Peyton Manning pass on the out route against Mississippi State when he came in as a freshman that just mm-hmm. blew everybody's mind away? Yes, when you knew he could play big-time college football. I still remember that. Yes, that pass by Nico was more impressive to Ramel Keaton on the on the sideline. Go back and watch the tapes of them side-by-side. Side. That is the one of the most impressive passes I've ever seen. And I, I looked at that and I said, Nico to me was a great fit for Hypel's system because he was a fluid runner and had a beautiful deep ball and enough touch over the middle. That's not enough. I mean, that was short-selling his skills, wasn't it? After you watched him in the Citrus Bowl? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a, he's a very quick decision maker, and he's got the he also doesn't just have touch. He's got great zip when he needs to have zip over the middle. I I watched him and I didn't see a weakness in his game, and I'm thinking, look, I'm sorry, I I saw Hall of Fame potential there, right there, in in the mm-hmm. Citrus Bowl. 
And that may be crazy, but. Okay, I'm going to tell you why Caleb's crazy. And it's brought to you by the Hemp House, the premier hemp dispensary online with a wide variety, great selection and strict standards to ensure you only receive the best in CBD or Delta products. Hemp House chat with two T's.com. Hemp House chat with two T's.com. And don't forget to use the promo code hooked. That's hooked and get 10% off anything at the Hemp House. Here's, here's why you're crazy. I don't believe this to be the case, but I've seen many a times where quarterbacks look good. This happens all the time in the NFL for two or three games and defenses start to figure them out. So that could, could theoretically still happen. Everything I hear about Nico is that it won't happen, that he's huge on film, that he prepares, prepares, prepares. Uh, I believe he's also very competitive. So I do not believe that there's any chance that if they did figure something out in his game, he wouldn't work on it like heck in the offseason, whether it's Michael Jordan being a better three-point shooter or the turnaround jumper at the elbow. He would address that in his game and be great. But at this point, I've seen more out of James Pierce. And I'm not going to talk about the, the off-field issue because it's not serious enough yet for me to be a concern. So if I'm an NFL GM and somebody comes to me right now and says, you can pick between these four guys. It is January 2024. Who are you picking? I'm taking Pierce number one. Had Brew McCoy been 100% healthy, there would be a monstrous debate between McCoy and in my mind. But I'm taking Nico because he's the quarterback and healthy. And he's going to put on weight and he's going to be massive. You wait and see. I mean, I know he has smallish, a smallish frame in his shoulders, but he's going to end up being huge. Guys, he wears small shoulder pads that quarterbacks are wearing now, which is part of the reason he, he looks smaller. It gives them better flexibility as a theory. You know, this stuff always changes. They'll probably be big, huge, and monstrous 10 years from now. But right now, the trend is for them to be smaller for quarterbacks. So I take James Pierce, number one. I take Nico second, and then I would take Cooper Mays a third because I think he's going to start in the NFL for eight or 10 years. I like his competitive juice as well. And then I would take Brew McCoy. But that being said, I don't want this to sound like a knock on any of these guys because I think you're talking about the four best players on Tennessee's team when it comes to NFL potential. Did I leave anybody out, Caleb? I'm a fan of Javante Spragans when healthy as a okay. guard in the NFL. Um, but I don't think you did. My question with you with Pierce, and I saw this a little bit on the message board, and I kind of agree with 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 them. Pierce is very small for a defensive end in the NFL. Her I was gonna bring I was gonna bring that up as well. Go ahead. Yeah, so I you know, and Darrell Darrell Taylor I thought was small, but people loved him coming out of Tennessee when Jeremy Pruitt was there, and he just hasn't he hasn't met the same standards that he hasn't had the impact that people thought he would have. He's battled injuries to be fair. James Pierce hasn't, but you know, Pierce, Pierce is going to have to show more ability and coverage to maybe be an outside linebacker. Now he, he did have a pick six the other day, but I don't know if that's reflective. I don't think pick sixes show that you're good in coverage. I mean, you were just told to stand in a spot and the quarterback stupidly threw it to you. If you're an outside linebacker, I thought that, that was uh, I thought that was a really good call by the defensive coordinator that everybody hates for no reason, and that's Tim Banks. 
Yes, exactly. That was Tim Banks who who basically schemed that pick six by Pierce. So that's my one issue. Now, what you said about Nico quarterbacks, their first game, you know, Dave, typically I agree with you, but typically also when I watch quarterbacks in their first game, what happens? Defenses bring a ton of pressure. They either play soft zone or tight man with while bringing a ton of pressure to see how the quarterback handles it. Iowa stayed in its base four, two, five defense with Nico they kept their same defensive schemes and Nico went through his reads. He was patient. He made every throw prop possible. So I'm thinking if he could look like that against that defense, look, I'm just going to be honest. I, I don't think there's a defense that can figure Nico out. You you may be right. All right. Let's, let's talk size for a second. Um, James Pierce <laughs> okay. is listed. <laughs> James Pierce is listed on, <laughs> on UT's website. By the way, I have a sports car. I don't know what that says about me. Six foot five, 242 pounds. That's James Pierce as a sophomore. I don't think size is an issue. Von Miller is six foot three, 250 pounds. So you think Pierce is going to be able to carry 250 pretty easily. Now, I think that 242 probably came down to the mid 230s based off watching him throughout the season. Players typically lose weight. So I think he'll want to come in an NFL camp or let's say camp this year at about a 250. He comes at a 250. He gets down into the low 240s by the end of the season. I think he's a, a really good player. And I think he has great body length. So I'm not as worried about Pierce's size. Let's talk Nico's size. So we were told that he was about 215 towards the end of the regular season. People asking, asking, will he come in at 220? I guarantee you that guy with his dedication to football is going to come in at 225 or 230 to open up the season. Um, so I don't really think that size is going to be an issue in the NFL with either, Caleb. No, I don't. As a matter of fact, Nico is – this is why I think he's going to end up being great. I always thought he was going to be great. He was going to put on the weight. I said, you wanted him to put on the weight before you threw him out there. And so I brought up his size all this year. I never thought he was going to, he wasn't going to get bigger though. He got bigger during the season. Nico is, you said it and everybody's compared him to Bryce Young. And I, I didn't want to make that comparison, but after watching him last week, I, I'm willing to make that comparison. But imagine if Bryce Young were six, six, how good he'd be right now and what yeah. his potential would be. Be on the verge of being one of the best quarterbacks of all time. So, if Nico's and Nico's comparisons have been Bryce Young at six six. So, what does that make Nico on the verge of being? I mean, you it know. makes you on the verge of being absolutely right. As far as Caleb Calhoun, you took Nico. Um, yeah, if he. If he's 6'6", Bryce Young, then I look stupid for even saying James Pierce. Yeah. Yeah, because 6'6", Bryce Young, and he's been drawing comparisons to Bryce Young the whole time. So if he's 6'6", Bryce Young, and he gets – I think Nico's goal, I think his target weight is 230. Think that – what do you think? Think that's a solid target weight for him? Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know that he'd want to get any heavier than that, and unless he turns out to be such an incredible pocket passer that – he's comfortable with adding more weight, like way down the line in his NFL career, like five or six years. Okay. Yeah. I think he can stay a fluid runner at two thirty because he's six, six. I think he can stay a fluid runner at two thirty because he's six, six. And if he keeps everything else, look, I mean, you're talking about it. Uh, guys, I'm not, 
I'm not trying to overreact. I was with Dave. I was with everybody on this. The way Nico played in that Citrus Bowl, even though the stat line didn't show it, he was really, really good. Okay. And if Ramel Keaton didn't lose a ball in the sun or drop a pass over the middle, we're talking about a passing a stat line that's about 270 yards and five total touchdowns. So I think because of what I, the size I think Nico's going to reach, I think because of what I saw from him, I, I, it's Nico because Nico's not just, he's turned away from me thinking he's an NFL prospect to me thinking, look, I think Tennessee's got like a future hall of fame quarterback in the NFL on their hands right now in college. I tend to agree. And there's some debate on the message board as to whether or not he should come in at two thirty or two twenty five. is two thirty too big. That's up to them to figure out. The point is the weight's not going to be an issue coming into year two. Now the, but somebody said on the, the, the bowl coverage, they said 210. I was told 215 by somebody that would know that somebody that steps on, steps on the scales with him, but that was in late November, early December. So perhaps he And the bowl that. coverage looks at probably the UT Sports official websites or programs where he's listed, and those are all made at the beginning of the year. So at the beginning of the football season. So you can add weight during the football season, and I'm pretty sure Nico did. I've never thought about that. Do they add that? To UT's website through the year, probably no. not. No, they 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 add, here's what they set the roster for spring camp. They set it for spring camp because there's conditioning in January, I believe, right? January and February. There's conditioning. Then they set the roster and they set the weights at the start of spring ball. Then they set the roster and the size and the weights again at the start of fall camp. And that's the last time that that's the last weight or size you see for them until spring ball the next year. So that which to me, I, I get it by the way, because most of your size changes during the conditioning and all season workouts, not necessarily during practice. So I get why they do that, but that does not mean that you're not putting on weight when you're practicing throughout the year. So I, I don't believe Nico's the same size he was when he when fall camp started in August. I just don't. Uh, yep. So according to UT's website, he was listed at two oh six. I he wasn't two oh six before the season. I, I don't believe. Uh, anyway, I was told he came in at 195 and he was 215 towards end of December, early January. All these listings are really tough to trust, but that's exactly what I was told. Uh, 195 to 215. Um, I don't know. Maybe went on some sort of fast in December and got down to 210. I think a lot of these are guesses. I'm telling you that the weight's not going to be an issue in year two, and it's not going to be an issue for the rest of his career, unless he develops some sort of eating disorder. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think Nico's totally fine. I think he's, I never thought, I thought it was an issue in September and October, which is why I wasn't for starting him this year. It's not going to be an issue. It's not an issue now, and it certainly won't be an issue by next year, which is why Nico is all of a sudden a budding Hall of Fame quarterback. Budding Hall of Fame quarterback. College or NFL or Could, both? Both. We may have a debate over the best quarterback in Tennessee history when Nico leaves. It's not a debate now, but we may have that debate. I'll tell you this. I'm not worried about the Casey Clawson scenario. And you know I love Casey, right? I've told you that on and off off the air. But I don't know if he knew where the weight room was during his time at Tennessee. I don't know if he ever found it. But he never added weight. Nico has already shown you enough that he's put on, let's say, 15, 20 pounds. If the television was right and I was wrong, which I'm not. But let's say that if he's put on 15 pounds in an offseason, he's already 
he's already proven to you that he's dedicated to that aspect of his game. So Wade's not going to be an issue long-term. It's never an issue at Sports Treasures, carrying over 5 million Sports Treasures and so much more. Follow on Facebook for the best sports memorabilia. Go to Facebook.com, Sports Treasures TN, Sports Treasures TN. They send out the daily updates, and they're absolutely phenomenal, the stuff they have in the Tennessee memorabilia right there in North Knoxville. Okay, what about the other guys we talked about, Brew McCoy and Cooper May? So I talked to a scout before the before the season began, and he said Brew was unquestionably the best NFL prospect on the team. So if he comes back and he's 100%, how good is he get, Is he in the pros? Or how good is he this year, for that matter? Uh, same for Cooper Mays who will come into the season 100% healthy and 100% into the rhythm of the, the the progression of the season, unlike last year with the ab injury. I mean, what's the upside if these guys are both 100% healthy? I think Brew's in the pros, and Brew's a, Brew is starting. I don't know if Brew – I don't know if Brew can surpass like what Kelly Washington or Juwan Jennings would be in the NFL. And, Dave, you, you might know more about that than I, than I would with Kelly Washington. But Kelly Washington never really – he was a solid NFL player, but – for a guy that dubbed himself the future was never the future of the NFL when he got to the pros. Um, no, maybe by the future, he meant the second coming of the XFL. <laughs> <laughs> he said one day I'm going to be in the XFL at 48 years old. Uh, but th- those two guys uh, are, are clearly, I believe NFL players. I think we're talking about the four distinct ones that are NFL players. Who have we, who have we left off? Amari Thomas. Amari Thomas will be a solid one. He's not a he's not a star in the NFL, but he's a solid prospect Agreed. in the NFL. Um, obvious again, Javante Spragans. I'm a huge Javante Spragans fan. I think Javante Spragans will be starting somewhere in the NFL. Look, if it wasn't for the name and the belovedness, guys, Javante Spragans may be a better guard than Trey Smith was at Tennessee. And like he, not, that, not going with you there, but I'm I'm listening to the argument. Smith has better leverage, but Spragans' size has helped him out a lot to overcome that. And so I, I'm just really, 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 really high on Spragans. And that's not just me speaking. Go out, go check out my interview from SEC Media Days with Cole Kublick. Kublick, an offensive line guy, said, if you watch Tennessee's offense in 2022, what you missed was Spragans blocking more than anything else in that offense was kind of the catalyst. Hey, I want to bring up what Derek has to say, talking about Brew. If that's the case, why is he coming back, and why are we paying a broke-leg player? Well, because, A, you don't want to go through the combine process when you're recovering from a broken leg. That's going to cost you a round, at the very least, right off the bat. Um, You can ask uh, Cedric Tillman about that. Two, you don't want to... I think take a risk on a transfer player by paying him some money, Caleb, when you have medical technology at the state, it is everybody seems uh, to come back. Caleb, everybody seems to come back healthy. Nowadays, when I saw Brew McCoy's injury, I thought, man, that's a shame for the young man, but he is still going to have a fantastic NFL future. I never thought to myself, he's, he's donezo forever. Did you No, And three, and here's a big one, guys. Because the NFL has rookie scales, where you get drafted matters. Okay, you would much you, you you a first round versus a fourth round pick. That's generational wealth difference. Okay, and Brew McCoy, guess who he gets to play with next year if he comes back healthy? 
Nico Iamaliava. Wouldn't you rather take the NIL money and boost your draft stock to a potential first rounder rather than go right now and be a third rounder or fourth rounder? Yeah, you would. Yep. Portions of the program brought to you by Tennessee Cider Company, the original hard cider of the Smoky Mountains. Use the promo code HAT, that's HAT, to receive some free swag with your cider order. Available most anywhere in the U.S. TNCiderCompany.com. TNCiderCompany.com. What current college football star reminds Caleb Calhoun of Johnny Majors? This is a reach when he said it at the 3.45 a.m. meeting. And then I was like, maybe he is very majors-like. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker off the Hook Sports. Got cataracts? We can fix that. Never miss another moment. With a little help from Drs. Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn at cctis.com. Hi, I'm Rick Terry, and we at Rick Terry Jewelry Designs pride ourselves in the highest quality craftsmanship from a family-owned business here in Knoxville for over 35 years. At Rick Terry Jewelry Designs, we also take pride in being an affordable option for all your game day accessories, especially those fire opals. At Rick Terry Jewelry Designs, we want to be your jeweler every day and especially on game day. Go Vols! Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. There's your We believe every day is a good day to be thirsty. With free samples on draft and lots of flavors to choose from, Tennessee Cider Company prepares a hard cider that's easy to enjoy. Some say it's the signature cider of the South. Others say it's the cure to your craving. They all say you'll savor every sip. The area of Gatlinburg has so much to offer, and so does Tennessee Cider Company. Add us to your list for shopping and fun experiences. You'll be glad you made the trip. Find our cidery in the Mountain Mall on the Gatlinburg Parkway. Sip smart. Sip the good stuff. Sip Tennessee Cider Company. Thirsty yet? Doors open at 10 a.m. The Dave Hooker Show, represented by Banks and Jones, Tennessee's trial attorneys. Play to win. BanksJones.com. Um, who's this guy? Hello, wizard. The Dave Hooker Show, Ooh. a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. What? YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. Back to Dave Hooker. You like my mug, Caleb? OTH mug? Got for Christmas? Nice. Oh, that just... mug is off the hook. Thank you. It's actually just a sticker on the mug. Uh, you can always find... Not a mug, but the Celebrate 98 book on our <laughs> merch page. The untold stories behind the Tennessee Balls 1998 National Championship. It is there. And speaking of Tennessee history, this volunteer history lesson is brought to you by our good, good friends at 
City heating and air conditioning. 50 years in East Tennessee, integrity matters. Don't trust a fly-by-night HVAC company to tell you that you need a new unit that would cost you thousands or more. Cityheatandair.com. That Johnny Majors comparison coming up. But first, what happened back in the day? This day in Tennessee sports history, Bruce Pearl makes the news. If you were born on this day, you are now old enough to buy some cigarettes because it was 18 years ago. Um, Good. That's what everybody needs. You didn't say vote or die for your country. You said pick up a carton of Marlboros. Yeah. 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 By the exactly. way, more, worst more cig- wor- first cigarette you ever smoked? I don't smoke. Never have. Never will. I only never do cigars. smoked a I, cigarette? I've Nope. I've smoked cigars. Never a cigarette in my life. Uh, mine was my buddy smoked Winston's all the time. So we stole a couple of Winston's when we were like 16 years old. Good old Winston's. Nothing gets you started oh like a Winston. That'll make a Marlboro Ultralight feel like a uh, like an oxygen tank. That sounds like a okay. fancy British. That sounds like a fancy British cigarette to smoke. You know, the like Winston's. Like, no, yeah, those are the nastiest. Hey, just like a Winston, yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, those are the nastiest straight to the lungs, bad for you cigarettes in the world. Apparently, you got to be 21 now to buy cigarettes. I didn't know that. All right, Caleb, because so, right, I don't sorry. buy cigarettes. And I'm old. So, uh, ten- Bruce Pearl got his first SEC win 18 years ago today with Tennessee basketball. They were playing South Carolina on the road. It was a South Carolina team that had won the NIT the year before, returned everybody, had a great coach in Dave Odom, and was picked to be a really strong Cinderella team in the NCAA tournament. Tennessee trailed 15 points in the second half at South Carolina. And Chris Lofton decided to be Chris Lofton and went six of seven from three yeah. and route to 18 points and got uh, some help from Dane Bradshaw who had 14 points. Dane Bradshaw hit a key three late where he hits the three from, the, he shoots the three from the corner and turns around and high fives the whole bench before even seeing it go in because he knew it was going in. And, and that was Bruce Pearl's first win. Bruce Pearl's first sec win as Tennessee basketball's head coach, CJ Watson had 17 points Tennessee obviously ended up having a very special year going 22 and eight, reaching the NCAA tournament for the first time in five years or in four years at that point. And the legend of Bruce Pearl was born and the legend of Tennessee basketball actually becoming a basketball threat was born. Hmm. There we go. All right. It's time for what the age. What the? What was he thinking? Release the hounds. The Dave Hooker Show. Keep cool. A presentation of OffTheHookSports.com. How is Jim Harbaugh, who will play in the national championship game as the head coach of Michigan against Washington, against uh, that quarterback that I can't pronounce his name, um, how is he similar to Johnny Majors, or is he? This is like totally out of left field, which is why I love Caleb Calhoun. So for those of you that are too young to remember Johnny Majors, I'm giving this to Caleb. You just need to follow Jim Harbaugh's career. I mean, the, the only real difference is strong ties to the NFL. Other than that, it's pretty similar. What do you guys think? Uh, let me get your thoughts. Um, I'll start with Jim Harbaugh, incredibly difficult to deal with uh, from an organizational <laughs> standpoint. Uh, I didn't even bring that one up. Yeah, now he was great with the media, and I love him. He was the only guy that I called coach because I grew up at a time where he was Tennessee's coach the whole time I was alive, basically, until I was like 18 years old. 
So my whole childhood. So I worked with him on a couple of different projects, called him coach all the time. So you're talking to somebody who loves Johnny Majors, but I know he was difficult to deal with, with some boosters and administrators. So why is he similar? Give me reason number one to why he's similar to Jim Harbaugh. And then I will give you a couple of uh, uh, sounders as my response. This for uh, hey now. you're on to something or this. That's crazy. Or you're not. All right. Jim Harbaugh. Give me All right. number one. So Jim Harbaugh, reason number one, is, just like Johnny Majors, was a home run hire at the time of his hire when he was hired to take over his alma mater. That's crazy. Nowhere close to what? Johnny Majors was because Majors had produced a Heisman Trophy champion and had won a national championship. So it was a home run hire, but that was an in the park home run. Uh, Johnny Majors was a grand slam home run. So I'm giving you that. I, I, I am because I do understand that. But I would also say there are a couple of differences. One, as even though Jim Harbaugh was the quarterback at Michigan, Johnny Majors was way more beloved at Tennessee than Jim Harbaugh was at Michigan. I will give you that. And also, you're right. Jim Harbaugh went to Michigan after he was fired by San Francisco. Johnny Majors went to Tennessee as he was winning the national championship at Pittsburgh. I mean, that, those negotiations were already happening. However, and this is a big point, in terms of actual coaching prowess, I think there was more respect for Jim Harbaugh's at the time than Johnny Majors because people saw, look at what Jim Harbaugh had done, Dave. He had gone to Stanford and rebuilt Stanford into a national power. He then went to the NFL and revitalized the organization, turned Alex Smith into a good passer, and then made the Super Bowl with Colin Kaepernick. A Colin Kaepernick, Joe Flacco Super Bowl, as you point out, the worst quarterback Super Bowl ever, um, at least in the modern day of NFL. And so Jim Harbaugh had had so many successful stops everywhere. He was so clearly a home run hire on paper. But I'll give you, Johnny Majors was a bigger one because he was winning a national title in that moment. Yes. Someone asking, what did Johnny Majors like to drink? I don't know if that's pertinent, but it may be bourbon. All right. What do you got next? <laughs> what is this um, similarity? Next one. Both of them had very disappointing first few years after being splash hires at their schools. Hey now. I'll agree, but barely. Wasn't Majors wouldn't have made it through. 15 years or however many years he was the head coach. He was so disappointed at times. Yeah, there was a, as a matter of fact, it's very famous. The rock outside in 1980 was painted. We made a major mistake. Um, four years Major's in. Yes. Because God majors for... went four and seven. Sorry. What? No, thank God for no social media. Oh yeah. Well, think about it. Home run higher on paper after winning a national title. And what does he do? Four and seven, five, five and one, seven and five, five and six. Those are his first four years at Tennessee. And then the next four, he goes eight and four, nine and three, six, five and one, and seven, four and one, I believe. Again, better, but like it's not till the 85 team that people start to really believe in majors. And from 1977 to 1988, that's a 12 year run where Tennessee had two teams they, that, that finished in the top 25, 85 and 87. So you're right. Har majors was much more underwhelming than Jim Harbaugh's, honestly. Yeah, and that goes back to the love of the coach. Harbaugh would have already been fired if he had Majors' early run, right? Oh, easily. At least Harbaugh had Michigan in position to compete for the playoff in 2016 and 2018. He just couldn't get past Ohio State. Yep. 
uh, aside from the fact that there's less patience nowadays. What else you got? All right, number three. They got the program rolling at a high level on a consistent basis when they promoted their offensive line coach to their offensive coordinator. Johnny Major promoted Philip Fulmer to offensive coordinator in 89, and that launched a the, the run of the modern era of 16 straight bowl games, four SEC titles, national title, all top 25 finishes. Jim Harbaugh promoted Sharon Moore to offensive coordinator in 2021. And ever since then, Jim Harbaugh, Michigan has beaten Ohio State three straight times, gone to three straight college football playoffs, won three straight Big Ten titles. Hey now. I can't disagree with that at all. I think that's that's perfect. That's good. I think it shows also a dedication to running the football. And I think Tennessee has that. Uh, they have a good coach in Glenn LRB, so I don't know that they're going to. I don't know. Maybe. People are upset still about Alex Golish, so I don't know. Maybe no, Glenn, Glenn Ellerby's not taking Josh Heupel's job. <laughs> not Josh Heupel's job. I'm talking about the offensive coordinator job because people are upset. They think Halsley's the part of the problem. He's not. It's Josh Heupel's offense. But if you want to go down that road, then just elevate Ellerby. Uh, Derek asks, Dave, what year was the Tennessee fans' protest on the bridge over losing? Derek, I may not be as old as I look. I don't remember that. Do you? Do you, well, if you don't remember it, I don't remember. If you don't remember it, I don't remember it. <laughs> you know um, history better than me sometimes. Does anybody remember that on the message board? Is it the Henley um, Street Bridge, I would assume? Or is it that train trestle bridge that people unsafely walk across during games? I have to pull up some old newspaper clippings of this. Uh, are we sure this isn't an urban legend like when uh, uh, Harvey Updike said that Auburn rolled Tumor's Corner when Bear Bryant died? Remember when Harvey Updike just believed it? <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, but I don't know if it's an Urban Meyer legend or not. Urban uh, Meyer legend. Yes, there we go. Before we get to the next one, it's brought to you by Don Self. Customer service still matters. State Farm agent Don Self from the Chattanooga area, Ottawa, and Collegedale. DonSelf.net right below. DonSelf.net. 423-396-2126. 423-396-2126. Don and this team pride themselves on making sure you and your family are covered, especially when you file those claims. Everybody's shopping for uh, some sort of great price, but man, when those claims come in, you want Don Self. Customer service still matters. DonSelf.net right there. What's next, Caleb? I'm squeezing another one in. I'm sorry, I have to. Okay. Another similarity between majors and Jim Harbaugh. You can tell me if I'm out of left field for this. And I got the got and, th- I, and I have the major, major difference coming up between the two. I'm your huckleberry. Okay. okay. Uh the biggest one. They got the program rolling at a high level only after a coach from a neighboring state at a powerhouse program retired. Urban Meyer leaving Ohio State and Vince Dooley leaving Georgia. Oh, yeah. That's very good. It's very Um, good. Yeah. Now. Also a a state that they recruit in a lot, too. A state that they recruited. Yeah. So Ryan Day is the new drunken Ray Golf. I didn't I didn't cover that area, but I kind of did because I, I covered Pennsylvania. So a lot of the, the the Pennsylvania guys would talk would also be interested in Ohio State and Michigan. So I kind of knew the area better than I should have. Um, if Michigan won, uh, let's say, 20 percent of the battles in Ohio, that's a big win. I would be interested to go back and see if they won 30 percent over the past couple of years because of Jim Harbaugh. Much like Tennessee started winning 30 or 40% of the battles they wanted to win in the Atlanta area 
when they were building a championship team. So that's a very, very good one. Very insightful. You only get that on Off the Hook Sports. Hit like and subscribe. He's Caleb Calhoun, the superstar. Go ahead. All right. So the next one, and this is a big one. The offensive line coach that was promoted to offensive coordinator and took the help and right at the same time the program was taken to the next level stepped in for the head coach when the head coach <laughs> couldn't coach some games and won every game, including big games against top 10 programs. Michigan beating Penn State at Ohio State with Sharon Moore and former beating Georgia and Alabama, not Alabama and uh, Florida in place of Johnny Majors to the point that by the end of the year, everybody was. We assumed that that was going to be the next head coach. Everybody wanted Fulmer over majors and everybody's assuming Jim Harbaugh's leaving and Sharon Moore's just going to take over anyway for Harbaugh. That's crazy. I don't think that's going to happen. I know you really like Moore, but I think they would do a real search. And that leads me to my point why the two are very, very different. And it's as simple as this. Majors never, ever, 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 wanted to leave Tennessee. He wanted that to be his destination job, retire, maybe be the next athletic director. I mean, he wanted to be in Tennessee. Jim Harbaugh looks like he's taken the first NFL charter plane out of there. He just hired uh, Don Yee, an agent who represents, I believe, Aaron Rodgers. Jim Harbaugh is so ready to go. It's like his rear's on fire. That's the big monstrous difference between the two marriages. Majors would have done anything for the University of Tennessee. Jim Harbaugh views Michigan as a job. He does. He does. I agree with you on that. Also, another one, Jim Harbaugh versus Johnny Majors in respect levels, because, because you bring it up, not just the cheating scandals with Harbaugh, but the Majors was such a good interview. He's the best interview. If you, I, I was so young that I couldn't say I was there myself, but all you got to do is watch old YouTube clips. If I could ever interview anybody that was ever in sports, it'd be Johnny Majors because he just he'll answer any question you ask him, or he would have. Oh, oh, he will. And the Johnny Majors show was legendary. I'm sure you remember waking up and watching that thing, don't you? Well, I don't because again, I was four when Johnny Majors was forced out. But I seen clips. Yeah, but he would just call players out, like oh, Oh, he would. Bob's got to do better than that. We taught Bob all week not to do that, and he's got to be better than that. And nowadays, the uh, he made the he's what made coaches shows like popular. Was yes, because, was because of him. And nowadays, the Josh Heupel show it's a great flowery feature on the backup long snapper that takes up like five yeah. minutes of the show. It's totally useless. And here's why that's a big deal. Because Harbaugh, as you know, is terrible with the media. He's the worst interview possible. Like, Harbaugh is, like, he does not want to talk to the media at all. And you can tell. I have it on what I believe to be good authority. That one of the reasons, that the perception that ESPN hated Tennessee in the 90s was true. How And you have it, too, because you said that ESPN voters actively voted for Charles Woodson over Peyton Manning in 1997. Mm -hmm. My philosophy on that is that I think... Because I, I've seen old ESPN clips. You should see Lee Corso. He trashes Tennessee after Johnny Majors is forced out. He just utterly trashes them. I believe a lot of national reporters did not like Philip Fulmer because of what happened with Johnny Majors. And I think they had it. They had they were out to get Fulmer because of that for a long time. Really? Because who's a better if you're a reporter, Dave, who would you rather be in the press conference? Johnny Majors or Phil Fulmer? Philip wasn't bad to work with, though. But who's I mean, going to give you gold for a story? 
Who's going to give you the golden quotes? It's majors. Yeah, that's true. But Dooley did the same, but I'd rather cover Elaine. But Dooley kinda... the... I'm sorry. Well, I, I mean, I, Dooley was kind of the same, but I'd rather cover Elaine Kiffin, who gave me good solvent answers and was willing to kind of guide me off the record. And in retrospect, I wouldn't have said this now towards the truth. I mean, Derek Dooley wouldn't give out his cell phone number, which I always thought was incredibly odd. Yes, but Kiffin would give you honest answers. Kiffin was going to give you gold in press conferences. Kiffin, how much gold did Kiffin give during the one year he was at Tennessee in those press conferences? Dooley, I know he gave good quotes a lot of times, you know, the coaching how to shower or whatever. They they were weird quotes. But the thing I would say with Dooley is, didn't he always talk to you like he was so much smarter than everybody else in the room? And it kind of rubbed you the wrong way. You covered him. Didn't that the vibe he tried to give off? Um, this is going to sound cocky. It didn't me because I'm pretty cocky. (laughs) I mean, some people I'm sure did. That's what I mean. Majors didn't talk to you like he was smarter than you. Majors just, he was, it was almost like a Mike Leach thing. He's just like, I'm going to answer any question you ask me. And majors, it was like I bumped into the guy and he was having his, uh, whiskey sour and I was having my IPA and we're just sitting at the bar. Yes. Back in, back in 1930, let me tell you about this guy. He was really good. He left after a year, just like Lane Kiffin. Uh, I don't do a good Johnny Majors impression, but he was he was phenomenal. You know uh, who was similar to Majors and who, who also got preferential treatment from the media? Two other people in the 90s, Steve Spurrier and Bobby Bowden. You could they, they talked to you like you were sitting at a bar talking ball with them, didn't they? Right, and Steve Spurrier took it to a different level. Does, does anybody or anyone know that he would call – columnist at other papers that the schools that they were getting ready to play like he would call john adams and give him a couple of quotes to get under philip fulmer's skin for that week call him up hey john right thought you might want to talk a second is this on the record <laughs> certainly is what do you want to talk about <laughs> and then he'd work in the uh, the shots like you can't spell citrus bowl without a u and a t the week of and to see the opposing coach show up in your paper in a column in an exclusive interview is probably a little frustrating. Funny story about that. 2013. <laughs> Sorry, Bobby. No, this... Go ahead. Go ahead. 2013, when Steve Spurrier, he tried to do damage control, but he accidentally kind of threw Jadavian Clowney under the bus for his work ethic. Do you remember that, Dave, when he was in South Carolina? I do. And everybody went at him. Now, Jadavian Clowney was still the number one pick. Here was what I thought at the time. And I don't know if you thought this. I never thought I never saw Spurrier for a liar. I never saw Spurrier someone who ever tried to sabotage anybody. I saw Spurrier someone who just gave his opinion. And guess what? Jadavian Clowney was a lazy player in the NFL, wasn't he? Uh yes. So how does this who are you? Spurrier was never uh, when he calls columnists and maybe give you some good quotes. He's not a liar. He when he said something, it was fully honest. And same with Bobby Bowden. Bobby Bowden, whatever you think of Bobby Bowden. He wasn't a liar. No. I mean, neither was Mike Leach. Another okay, one. Who, who that we've discussed is was a liar. The, are, are you insinuating someone? I think Lane Kiffin um, kept out details when he would speak to you, even if he gave you gold. Um, I think Philip Fulmer kept things quiet. I think Heupel's somewhat of a liar. I do. I don't think Heupel's honest with the media a lot of times. I there's think Nick Saban has lied. There's almost a different set of line, right? Like if, if I say, Caleb, I'm going to come to your house and bring you a million dollars as opposed to uh, Cooper Mays may play against Florida. We look at that as two different sets of line, right? Yes. Yes. 
those are two totally different sets of like gamesmanship. But that's the thing. The coaches were talking about Bowden, Majors, and Spurrier didn't do gamesmanship. Neither did Mike Leach. They just told you exactly what they felt in the moment. You could ask, you, I guarantee you, if I wanted to ask Johnny Majors about marriage advice, he would have given it to me in a, in a press conference, right? A question. I need to meet the missus and I'll give you a little insight. And I'll <laughs> tell you one thing. Nothing overcomes marital problems like a little Jack Daniels. Um, <laughs> Papa Jay says that Majors impression needs some work. Agreed. Uh, Majors and Spurrier sounds the same for Dave. It's true. And uh, thank you, Charles, for saying y'all are my favorite show. We're lucky to have OTH Tennessee fans. And we appreciate that. And this lastly, Satan lies. He does. He definitely does. Satan lies. Uh are you talking about Saban? I think he does. I think he is. But uh, Saban's actually a pretty good gold at a press conference if you ask him the right question. You just got to know what to ask him. I just hated after that uh, get the, the, the semifinal game the other day how he just steered it into, I know you guys are going to criticize me, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. He steers press conferences too much to me. Like you could ask him about, is the sun coming up tomorrow? And it turns into, I know you all don't like me and you're questioning my play calling. It's like, what? I get. I wish I was asking him a question and he wouldn't me. Cause I'd go right back and I'd get fired by Dave in a heartbeat for that. But you know, that's a different story. You wouldn't get fired by <laughs> after a coach. No. When, no. when, when, when he, remember when he went off on Malika Andrews and I know we got to move on, but when he went off on Malika Andrews, he's like, I'm not going to do that. So quit asking. And it was about the quarterback. If I were Malika, I'd have been like, so uh, are you mad because you're not that good at managing quarterbacks? Ouch. That would have been a good backup. Uh, that would have been the, the problem is, and that's why we do the vol report uh, with Cooper Mays and Jacob Warren. Is you don't get to ask follow up questions at press conference nowadays. Talk some this Tennessee. is a sideline interview. Well, but just in general, I mean, so the way they will do it, they will say, uh, Bob, you ask a question, and then you ask a question, and during the answer, they take the mic away from you and they give it to somebody else, they give it to Carl. So then it's Carl's turn to ask a question, and you've got no follow up. It's why press conferences are stupid and a complete waste of time. For the most part, the basketball balls, they don't just feed Ole Miss. They hammer Ole Miss. And Ole Miss was number five in the nation. And some guy named Jonas. Wow. Uh, do we have a superstar in the making? Let me get your thoughts uh, on the message board and from Caleb Calhoun on the basketballs, basketball balls on Saturday night. I got to watch that right before an ACDC tribute, uh, a tribute band in case you were wondering, took the misses out. Um, but your thoughts on uh, Tennessee beating Ole Miss? They sure seemed thunderstruck. Uh, ha, ha, How many ACDC ha, 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 references can I work in here? I don't know. Let's see. Because um, well, we're not on a highway to hell if I do. All right. So what did you think of the basketball balls beating Ole Miss? It was so you have to take it with a grain of salt. Ole Miss was twenty two, by the way. Tennessee was five, um, but oh. either Ole Miss was undefeated. So let's be fair; they were undefeated. Ron was on the show last week and questioned how good they actually were, and Ron Slay was, and he was right. I don't. I think this was more about Ole Miss playing a very easy schedule. Um, Tennessee treated Ole Miss like Ole Miss's coach had allegedly treated his wife. And okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's a horrible joke. <laughs> that was a horrible joke. Oh um, but the point, and I misspoke Tennessee number five. They look like the number five team in the nation. The number five team in the nation should beat the number 22 team in the nation pretty handily, right? Yes, they, they should. But Ole Miss was undefeated. Uh, so I think the story of the game is this a few things. 
Jonas Adu, whatever you think about Ole Miss, whether or not they're overrated, their strength is their interior presence. Jamarian Sharp uh, and Musa Cease, they have two seven-footers out there, one who's like 7'5", plus they have a couple six eight like bangers down low. And what does Jonas Adu against that group? He goes 24-10, and 10, and almost all of his points are inside the circle, which is a big deal to me to be able to out-muscle you inside the circle. What does that do? That clears it up for everybody else. Zakai Ziegler, 17 points, 10 assists. Why does he have 17? Why does he have 10 assists? Because Jonas Adu is out muscling everybody down low. Tennessee, 11 to 30 from three. Why? Because they drew attention away from the perimeter because of Adu's play. Santiago Vescovia is back. Three of eight from three. He had 11 points. And off the bench, Jemai Meshack, two of three from three with 10. And a big help, by the way. Again, Ole Miss plays big. Toby Owaka coming in to spell Jonas Adu had nine points down low. So this is the big thing I'm talking about. Tennessee showed in this game, they can outmuscle anybody under the basket. And that is huge for three-point shooting. How many guys do they have right now that are willing to do the dirty deeds underneath the basket? Done well, they're not cheap. Gonna, they, they, they won't be done cheap because there's some NIL money. Before yeah. NIL money, it was done dirt cheap. <laughs> Who are the guys that are willing to do the dirty Rod deeds? Slade did those dirty deeds dirt cheap. Um, he did. Yes. They, it, How many just, do they have, really, that could be real post-presence? Just two. Jonas Adu and Toby Walker. J.P. Estrella hasn't emerged yet, and I don't think Rick Barnes wants to use him this year. So Now, that is an issue. Tennessee right now only goes eight deep so they because Estrella and Kay Phillips haven't emerged, and that is actually a, a concern on its own. But Adu and Owaka are both great. The thing with Adu is you don't want him playing 32 minutes every night. He played 32 minutes in this one. That's a lot. And you want him probably in like the, like your goal is nobody play more than 25 minutes if you can get to that point. But Adu's at 32. Ziegler was at 37. Viscovi at 35. James at 31. That's probably the biggest concern. You because Rick Barnes already wears you down and you don't want them that worn down in March because then you won't be able to do the dirty deeds underneath the basket as well, because you'll be a little more gassed. And then you'll be TNT, uh, brought to you by Andy Mason of AndyMasonRealEstate.com. Go to AndyMasonRealEstate.com. Over 40 years of experience, best service, best prices in the biz, AndyMasonRealEstate.com. So who's Tennessee's most important player right now? Not in terms of the, the bubble wrap player like Cooper Mays, but in terms of they have a higher end than we think. Might be Jonas, um, but I'm wondering if you see anybody else else out there. Because I feel like after watching Dalton connect again on Saturday night, I, I, I got a good feel for what he is. I got a good feel for Bescovi. I got a good feel for Ziegler. But I'm not sure I have a good feel for Adu quite yet. Feel like there's another level he could reach, and he gave us a glimpse over the weekend. Here's I'm gonna address connect and then I'll get to Adu because it is Adu. People are worried that Connect only scored eight points. Guys, Connect's a little banged up, and here's how Dalton Connect is. Here's here's his job in this system. When the offense isn't firing, when it's not clicking, you give the ball to Dalton Connect, get out of the way, and desperately try to have him like spark something for you. Dave, you watched the game last Saturday. Did Tennessee ever need to desperately go to Dalton Connect? The offense was clicking the whole game. Right. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, it, and Dalton Connect knew that, so he took a step back to his credit. It's Adu because Adu is the best five 
Rick Barnes has ever coached at Tennessee, and he may be the best five Tennessee has had. I mean, dare we compare him to Marcus Hazlett? Dare we go there? I mean, we're talking a guy that Adu is it's a six eleven guy that's out muscling people under the basket, but he can stretch the court and, and shoot from the outside. If he needs to, he's a solid free throw shooter. I I'm going to be honest with you, Dave. I see all American potential in him as a center. Wow. That's pretty strong. All American, all American potential. Yes. Now there's not as many centers as there used to be. Are you factoring that in? But they give All-American awards based on positionless basketball anyway, so they do factor that in too. I think the centers are there. They're just more skilled. Now notice, I didn't say he's the best big Tennessee's had in a long time because he's not Grant Williams. But Who is the biggest balls? Balls of them all. Another ACDC reference. Somebody says, if I bring up one more, I'm going to be ringing hell's bells. Continue your point, Caleb. I'm Who's sorry. the best big balls? Is that what you're asking? <laughs> Who are the biggest balls of them all? Um, no, I, that surprises me you're that high on Adu. If you're that high on Adu, knowing how you feel about the rest of this basketball team, I think you're going to be disappointed if they're not an elite eight team. Is that fair? I'll be disappointed if they're not a final four team, if Adu stays as good as I think he is. The only thing that holds them back now is depth. Estrella or Kate Phillips, they need to get one extra big person to step up off the bench because they don't have that. However, um, they they still are showing a lot of promise with a lot of their players. So they need one more guard and one more big to step up. They You, you really want to be able to go 10 deep. Uh, you want 10 guys averaging at least 10 minutes a game. And right now they're at eight. So that's right. the one issue. So Mississippi State on Wednesday. Have you seen a line on that game yet? What does Vegas think of the balls? Be sure to hit that like and subscribe button. Turn the notifications on. I'm curious what line may be out there. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm curious because <clears throat> you know Tennessee uh, and the the voting will come out today. Do they move up uh, from five? It's quite it's quite possible. But uh, you got a line on the state for me. Uh, right now. The money, I do not have a line, uh, Vegas spread. I don't think that's out yet. Um, it does look like money line is out right now for basketball, and that seems to suggest that nope, sorry, that was January of last year. Nope, no line is out. College basketball is not like college football, the lines come out like like a day of or something like that. So, I don't, there's so no let, lines, but Mississippi. So, let me ask you this next step, what would you like to see Tennessee do? Uh, Connect has been struggling a little bit later. Somebody messaged that in the message board. Is that something that Tennessee needs to address? Is that a concern? What do you What do you want Tennessee to do before that state game? No, Connect was not struggling on Saturday, guys. Connect was very efficient. He was fifty percent from the field. He's coming off an injury, and Tennessee's offense was clicking so much that I don't think Tennessee really cared to use him as much as they could have. So I don't think that's a concern. Mississippi State is a very good test for them because. Again, they play big. They have a 6'10 senior forward who is 270, another 6'7 forward at 220, both of whom are major presences under the basket. And they are a defensive team. They give up 20, I mean, they give up 63 points per game. They play the style of ball, Dave, that I say can't go far in the NCAA tournament, but can give you fits if you 
if you care if you're an offensive team. And so this is this will at least test Tennessee's offense. And they they don't shoot the ball well from three at all. They have no outside shooting. So I, I, I whatever the under is, guys, take it because we know Tennessee <laughs> is not. Tennessee's not able to put together consistent offensive performances under Rick Barnes. They never have been able to. And Mississippi State has no offense and plays all defense. And so that's going to be kind of the big thing. And you know what's funny about Ole Miss is that I think because Lane Kiffin's there, you just enjoy beating them in basically anything, don't you? I don't care if it's baseball or anything. It's just nice to beat Ole Miss nowadays, where they weren't any sort of rival, and they're not now. But the fact that Lane Kiffin's there, you'll have to hit him up pretty hard, right? Yeah, but – well, and then the golf ball incident two years ago just makes you feel a certain way about Ole Miss even more. But, guys, let's be honest, okay? If any school between the two has the right to hate the other one, has Ole Miss still gotten over Peyton Manning going to Tennessee? I don't think they'll ever forgive Tennessee for that one. Um Probably so, not. Yeah. Did you see Lane Kiffin, by the way, tweeting away pictures of the uh, the beach and come to the sip? Uh, did you did you see that? I I did not see him doing that. Uh, was his and unless his wife is on the beach with him, I'm not so sure I want to see him on the beach. No, I'm not sure. How Excuse me, his girlfriend. No, no, no. They were just pictures of the beach and a yoga studio. So I don't know. What exactly? And then there's another one where he's uh, apparently out hunting with his dog. He is a Twitter machine, but they are the most random tweets of all time. If if you go to the, if you go to the, Oxford isn't close to the beach. It's not like you take a weekend trip to the beach. No, it's not. It's not. <laughs> and also, again, it's definitely not the Mississippi beaches, is it? Those beaches are nasty. Um, and- I don't know. Who's been to the Who's been to the Mississippi beaches? I'm not. You have, and they're gross. No, the, okay the 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 towns the area is beautiful, and I love. It's not beautiful. The area is awesome. It's just a lot of fun. Okay, it's a hidden gem of America, but you're not there to go to the beach. Put it that way. And so it's not like Alabama or Florida where you're spending more time on the beach. Yeah, um, Lane Kiffin is. Oh, Lane, he is a great Twitter troll, though. I, I told you guys. I told you. I mean. Yes, he's actually he's actually become less trollish. I don't know. He's been trolling great the last like year. But as far (laughs) as the way he's been previously, I think he's a little less trollish. But uh, we would uh, we would be trolled if we were talking about him. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. This has been a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. John Adams to join us on a Tuesday. Hit that like and subscribe button. Hang with me for half a second because I want to check something if we can as we are remarkably close remarkably close to a a little bit of a milestone that we want to hit as a matter of fact just about 40 subs away from a milestone that we want to hit so if you don't mind tell a friend we'd like to hit that by the end of this week if you're looking at our youtube page you can certainly see that also great Story by Jimmy Himes on the balls and what that win against Ole Miss meant. And I will have a breakdown. I know it's created a stir on Twitter about how the balls should be expected to win 11 regular season games this upcoming year. That'll make even Caleb Calhoun's eyebrows raise a bit. For Caleb, I'm Dave. Off the hook sports, 10 o'clock each and every weekday. 
right here, wherever you stream or podcast. Off the hooks, boys.